Hi, this is a bonus Q&A episode. I try and go live every Thursday afternoon on the School for the Dogs Instagram account, which is simply at School for the Dogs. If you would like to ask a question in advance or be notified when I am going to go live, you can go to schoolforthedogs.com slash Q&A. I also periodically answer questions on Clubhouse. You can find me there at Annie Grossman. Gussie the Hussy says, how do you vet the trainers you hire? What sort of continue educa- continuing, continued education do they get? Very good question. So, um, uh, you know, we started a few years ago, we started... Um, a professional program training people up to become professional dog trainers and oh I think that's Sophie hey Sophie and part of the reason we did that was because um, we had trouble finding uh, trainers that we felt like we wanted to work with um, it's really hard to find good dog trainers out there um, and I'm happy to share some tips on how to find some good dog trainers. But uh, before I do, I should plug that we um, are putting our professional program largely online. And um, what's extra exciting about that is a lot of the content is actually totally free uh, because we want there to be more educated, uh, good dog trainers out there. We um, Felt like we wanted to uh, take away as many of the barriers as possible. So we are just on the brink of launching um, the full suite of courses, but the first two uh, first two are up. And you can get them at schoolforthedogs.com slash courses. Uh, the completely free open source one, which contains most of our uh, professional course uh, online content, um, written content is called Born to Behave. You can find it there. You can sign up there. Then there's like a tier one professional course, um, which is the same content as Born to Behave, but you do get a certificate at the end if you do all the parts and do the quizzes. And then we're about to put up, um, the second tier, which is going to have, um, real time interactions with trainers, Uh, several hours of lectures, um, the ability to sit in with our trainers on sessions, et cetera, et cetera. So um, make sure to sign up for our newsletter. Um, I think you can get there at schoolforthedogs.com slash newsletter. Make sure to follow us on Instagram so that you're uh, up to date on all of that stuff. But again, just go to schoolforthedogs.com slash courses and you can see those first two things. Um, So yeah, um, let's see. I think to look at who our look at look at our staff to remind myself right now, but let's let me see. Um, we have two trainers who came to us from um, Hunter, uh, which is a college in uh, or university. I don't I think it's Hunter College, but they do have um, advanced degree programs. Um, so Sasha and Maddie right now are getting their masters at Hunter. We found them, and also. Um, our trainer, Ginny, who hasn't been working with us, sadly, for the last year because of uh, quarantine, but Ginny also came to us through Hunter. Um, they have a fabulous master's degree there called um, 
uh, the it's an animal behavior and conservation program um, that I've actually thought about doing but three of my employees have done it um, uh, and uh, so that's where they came from who else uh, then we have Claire Cario I interviewed her on the podcast recently uh, about her background and training she um, she and also our trainer Adam who I also interviewed recently on the podcast um, was kind of word of mouth through um, a really great uh, just email list of some of the best trainers in New York City uh, that we're on. I think we found both of them through that very small email list um, that was started by uh, Dr. Elise Christensen of Behavior Vets uh, in New York City. Um, if you're looking for a good trainer in your area, if you can find, if they're a good veterinary behaviorist that you know of, they should be able to recommend a good one. Uh, vet, uh, Behavior Vets actually has its own team now of excellent trainers. Uh, who else is on our staff? Mike, Aaron, M, and Anna, all four of them uh, did our professional program, actually. Anna was in the first class, um, very first class that we did. I think we've done six classes now of like between two and three people each. Um, so yeah, our, we've been working hard at training up trainers. If you're trying to find a good trainer in your area, um, clickertraining.com is the Karen Pryor website. Um, I think there's like, maybe I'm going to be wrong. I think there's something like 1500 Karen Pryor Academy certified trainers in the country or actually throughout the world at this point. Um, I might have that number wrong, but it's something like that. And um, I did the KPA program. I am a KPA certified uh, training partner. I think anyone who has gone through their program uh, is going to be quite decent. There is also the Certification Council for Professional Dog Trainers, which is um, might be the only accredited certifying body for dog trainers and is certainly like the most respected, um, uh, certainly the most respected one. Um, uh, you get a CPDT KA or KSA certification by going through their tests and uh, they have like a test and then you also have to show that you've done a certain number of hours, get a certain number of um, recommendations, I think, and you have to uh, do continuing ed, which I think was part of your question. Uh, so you have to show that you have um, CEUs, which you also have to do with um, with Karen Pryor. Um, and CEUs, there are so many wonderful um, continuing education opportunities out there for dog training. And, you know, a lot of dog trainers I know didn't really do a formal program. Even Kate, who is my partner and um, certainly one of the best dog trainers I know, uh, she didn't do one specific pro program, but she, you know, I guess you'd say has cobbled together quite an education, doing a lot of continuing ed style programs um, off the top of my head. Um, uh, there are uh, Clicker Expo, which is run also by the Karen Pryor Academy organization. They run conferences, uh, I think twice a year in the States and once a year abroad that are chock full of so much good information amazing lecturers. They also have tons of resources online. 
Um, the Association for Professional Dog Trainers also has an annual conference um, that uh, has often blown my mind. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I love going to that one. Um, the IAABC also has an annual conference that we've been to. Um, and, you know, a great resource that a lot of people don't know about for continuing ed is uh, tawzer.com. T A W Z E R dot com. It is, uh, it's like Netflix for dog nerds. I uh, believe it's $50 a month and you get unlimited access. Um, it used to be like DVDs that they would mail out, but I think now it's all online. Uh, unlimited access to huge, huge number of um, uh, videos. Most of them are like recorded uh, lectures. So, another really good place to look. All right. Thank you for that question. Gussie the Hussy. I love your name. Um, uh, Artie, Artie Pup on Instagram said, why is my dog suddenly so reactive? Um, you know, as I often say when I do these Q&As, like it's, it's almost like a uh, not that funny dog training improv, let's say. <laughs> that, uh, you know, I'm not getting a lot of information from you guys usually with your questions. And certainly, um, you know, a seven word question like, why is my dog suddenly so reactive? There could be any number of reasons. So I have to say, you know, make sure to get in touch with uh, a good dog trainer. You can check out some of those references I just mentioned. If you've missed what I've said, I will put this up on School for the Dogs podcast so that you can check it out there. Um, I mean, there are any number of reasons why your dog is suddenly so reactive. I don't know how old your dog is. I don't know the situation. Dogs do, young dogs do go through what's called fear periods, um, which can be times when they're suddenly especially fearful and I I kind of equate this to um, uh, well I, I, one way to think about it is like you know as an animal is growing older and evolving and getting farther away from the protective world of their parents they um, they kind of need to be a little bit more fearful about things in order to survive um, but sometimes that fear is misplaced. So they might suddenly become fearful of something that seemed normal yesterday. But fear is generally a good thing in that it can keep us safe. Um, if you're noticing your dog is suddenly fearful and you have a young puppy, it could be one of these fear periods. Uh, fear in dogs can, can lead to a lot of behaviors we don't like, which is one reason why I think it is so important to use dog training methods that are um, rooted in positive reinforcement um, because we do not want to create more fear in our dogs. Um, but my, my quick tip solution would be to try and start to keep uh, a log of two things. One, the situations where your dog seems fearful. Um, note everything that's going on. You know, are you in a specific room? Who's in the room? What sounds are in the room? Um, you know, everything you can think of because there might be things that your dog is perceiving that you're not perceiving. Uh, and, um, you know, you might, you might, uh, you might find uh, as you do this over time 
that you come up with um, some uh, specific things that it seems like your dog may be be fearful of. And, you know, I can tell you, you never know. I've, I had a puppy uh, kindergarten class once that I was running, and in, in our puppy kindergarten classes, because the focus of socialization, we do stuff like play noises. Like we'll pick, play crazy noises and then give a dog a treat. You know, trying to use classical conditioning to teach a dog that the sound of a siren is an okay thing and the sound of a baby crying is an okay thing. Or sometimes in class we'll bring out, oh my God, my, my dog nose just changed to a Dalmatian. Look at that. <laughs> sometimes in class we'll pull out like... Um, uh, weird objects like a uh, or or things that are weird to walk on tin foil or children's toys wind up toys um, vacuums and again it's about teaching the dog like in the presence of this weird object you get treats um, and uh, one time I remember we were in a class I think it was with weird objects and uh, a feather wafted through the room and this one golden retriever puppy went bananas, fearful uh, of this feather, um, which uh, to me was just a good reminder that you never know. So try and keep a log. Uh, also, try and um, keep a log of what your dog is doing that's letting you know that he's fearful. I mean, I commend you for even noticing he's fearful at all. Uh, that takes more observation skills than some people have. Um, but what is he doing? Is he barking? Are his ears going back? Is he cowering? Is he hiding? Um, and try and notice in, in the sequence of whatever he's doing what the first indication is of that fear. Because that's where you can intervene. And that's where you want to, that's where you want to be in order to try and keep your dog from being fearful. You know, something like, um, you know, most, most aggression uh, can stem from fear. And most dogs don't go from like happy-go-lighting to biting. There is a sequence of events between those two things. So if you can uh, start noticing as early as possible that your dog is uncomfortable, you can start intervening and rescuing your dog, let's put it, um, uh, early on. So that, oh, hey, Leah, hey, Gilby. So that is my, uh, hey, Stephanie, that is my, um, my long and that rather vague but necessarily vague answer to this question, why is my dog <laughs> suddenly so reactive? Artie, I don't know where you are located, but, um, if you do need help finding a good trainer, please let me know. Uh, last question comes from Roxy Riddler on Instagram. Uh, my pup is no longer interested in recall unless she sees a treat. Help. Okay. Well, you know, one reason why we um, really uh, drive home the point to our clients that you can't have the treat visible when you're training uh, until after uh, after the behavior happens, ideally after you've used uh, some sort of marker in most situations, be it a clicker or a marker word or hand signal or whatever, um, is because you don't want to get in the habit of the dog who's like, show me the money, right? And actually, I, I, 
I get on my husband's back about this because my old dog Amos was really impeccably trained um, to do all kinds of, you know, both fun and fun and useful uh, things until my husband came into the picture. Uh, at which point I, I guess you could say I did a crappy job of of teaching my husband how to train my dog because he is the ki the king of like having the cheese in his hand while asking the dog to do something and yeah it got to the point where where my dog was like well why should I do it unless you have cheese in your hand <laughs> um, which is not where you want to be um, you know we call it like getting getting lost in uh, in treat land um, so make sure your goodies if you're using yummy uh, edible goodies are tucked away in a treat pouch uh, out of sight and do not um, do not uh, show themselves until uh, after the behavior happens um, that said I would also suggest if you're already having this problem um, while you try to separate the the treat from the cue uh, I would also start incorporating other kinds of rewards in your training especially for something like recall which is an active behavior your dog is on his feet or her feet um, probably coming towards you use that energy that like you know running energy to your advantage um, so the second that your dog comes to you you know sometimes sometimes with a recall part of the reward can be you running away, giving your dog the opportun opportunity, bleh, uh, opportunity to try, I had trouble getting that word out, opportunity to chase you. Um, that can actually reinforce the behavior of coming to you and uh, at the same time, encourage your dog to then be coming to you uh, for the next recall with great, um, alacrity right getting your dog building the behavior of not only coming to you but coming to you with a lot of excitement running away from your dog is one way to do that presenting a toy a squeaky toy tossing a toy uh, rather than giving a treat when they come to you can also be an option um, anyway that is a really good question um, you know you can also like any other behavior you're going to be shaping a, uh, a recall, um, you know, from a short distance to a long distance. Uh, if you're at a long distance, you know, your dog might not even be able to see or smell that you have a treat on you. Um, but I would suggest starting really from the beginning if you're trying to retrain this, and that can be as simple as uh, working, uh, doing a hand touch, um, teaching a dog every time you touch my outstretched fingers, uh, you get something good with the good thing not prevent presented until after they touch your fingers um, and then you know build it build it from there but you can always start from scratch uh, Karen Pryor calls it going back to kindergarten um, so if you're having this issue with your dog um, so, you know just start from the beginning all right thank you these were some very good questions um, I will be posting this on the podcast. Uh, if you have a question that you would like to ask, oh, hey, Nugs. Uh, happy, it was your birthday, I think I saw. <laughs> if you have an, a question you'd like to ask um, or you'd like to be notified uh, when I'm going live here or elsewhere, um, you can sign up or um, uh, submit a question at Annie, oh, uh, no, I'm sorry, schoolforthedogs.com 
slash ask. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care.